You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today, we have the blessing of both Anne and Barbara sharing the word, and they're sharing short devotions based on the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a community-building exercise, and also we're looking to the Sermon on the Mount as our foundation, so as the constitution of the kingdom. So without any further ado, oh, I should let, uh, I'll put Anne on, but before that, let's put our hands on our hearts and pray this nice and loud. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life in your precious name. Amen. I'd like to speak on Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12, specifically verses 7, 8, and I think 9. I'll just, these verses are a wonderful reminder to us of God's goodness, kindness and love toward us. It doesn't say it might be given, it says it will be given. And if you are seeking, you might find, the word says you will find. And of the door, it will be opened. Verse 9 goes on to say that imperfect as we are, as imperfect as we are, We know how to give good gifts to our children and take good care of our children and give them what's best. How much more ready is God, our Heavenly Father, to give wonderful gifts to those who ask? These verses give me an assurance that this is not conditional on my goodness and love, but on God's goodness and his abounding, endless, unstoppable love towards me. We read throughout the Bible that God created with his word, his spoken word. um, God spoke and the world was created. Abraham and Sarah had a child, Isaac. In Ezekiel, he told the prophet to speak his word and the dry bones knitted together and stood up as being, as living, breathing people. And of course, he spoke and the Virgin Mary had a child the ultimate impossibility. God has shown himself throughout history to be faithful, kind and loving toward us, his children. He loves us to call him Father, Abba and Daddy. I see little ones at, I see little ones at the hospital with their daddies and he raises them up on his head. I see little children at the hospital and their daddy hugs them and he raises them on his shoulders and they swing on his legs 
and they have an absolute assurance that their daddy is strong, their daddy is going to protect them, that their daddy is, he loves them. And God says the same to us. I see, he says, they squeal, sorry, they squeal with an absolute assurance that their daddy loves them and that, they, that their daddy is strong. And it tells me, it tells us in the Bible that Jesus says, be like little children who trust their daddy will look after them. In the book of Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 3, tells me that every blessing has been given to me, lavished on me, the Passion Translation says, as a love gift from our wonderful Heavenly Father. Didn't we read back in Matthew 7 that God gives good gifts to us, even though we are imperfect? We go on to read that he sees us wrapped in Christ and he chose us to be his very own. He sees us as holy because he sees us wrapped in Jesus. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Can you get your head around this? He chose us before he laid the foundations of the universe. It was his plan to join us to himself through our union with Jesus so that his tremendous love would cascade over us. And then it says the un this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. He knows us better than we know ourselves and he still loves and loves and loves. Because of his superabundant grace, he has released and is releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. We read that we go from glory to glory and this implies an increase, another layer or depth. We would not buy our 10-year-old a car because they wouldn't be able to handle it and have an accident and hurt themselves or be killed. The same, our Heavenly Father does not give us anything we cannot handle. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. These are all action words and so is our faith. We have to believe these words as truth along with the promises in Ephesians. If someone gave you a new car, handed you the keys and said, I've paid for it, it's yours. The car, you wouldn't leave it there and look at it while still driving your old car or walking. You would drive it, enjoy it, Celebrate the goodness and kindness of whoever gave it to you. Probably tell everyone of your good fortune. In the same way, God wants us to take his gift out for a spin. Enjoy it. Celebrate it and tell everyone of the goodness and kindness of the person who gave it to you. We've been given this, this gift, church. God does the impossible and Jesus said he has given us all authority and power. Ephesians 1 chapter 19 says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. Notice it reads, 
made available, already done. They're waiting for us to use. I had a dream probably four or five years ago that I went and prayed for someone in the head injury unit at the hospital. And I guess several months later, I heard that somebody had put a call out for people to go and pray for their, their son who'd been in an accident and he did actually have a head injury. I was working at, over at Hurston at the time, so I walked over to the spinal unit and the head injuries unit at the Royal Brisbane and I went into the young man's room. He, just as I got there, I, he didn't know me, he didn't have his eyes open. I didn't know him, but I knew his name. As I walked into the room, people came and took him outside to do something. But I remained sitting in his bed space. And I prayed for him that the God of the impossible would come and change this man's life, to heal this man's life. I've got no idea what happened. I don't. I have no idea what happened. But I remember, I think I've some, told some of you, there was a little girl at the children's hospital and she had a riding accident, fell off a horse and the only thing in her body that moved were her eyes. Every part else of her body was paralysed. The doctors gave her very little hope and again, I just felt called to go up into ICU and to pray for this little girl. She wasn't there again, but I stepped into her bed space and I prayed that the God of miracles would show up and show off in this little girl's life. And I'm very pleased to say that that little girl eventually, with the help of a lot of machines, Everything, she had to have a breathing machine, she had to be fed, everything. But she had power in her right hand and she could use a wheelchair and she wheeled herself out of the hospital. And just in the last couple of months, I've heard of a little girl called Trinity. It's the daughter of people I used to go to church with. They waited for years and years and years to have a child. And finally they did and they named her Trinity. And my friend Cheryl was telling me that Trinity had, has, had been in hospital and she's got an inoperable brain tumour. And, sorry, they can't fix it. It's not inoperable. They have ch operated on her several times. But they do not give her much hope either. And I remembered this dream. I remembered going into the bed space of these people and something clicked inside of me and I started to pray for this little girl, Trinity. And I just, I have an assurance in me that that little girl will survive. I know September or October last year, I was praying to God, I was actually praying for this little girl, Trinity, and just afterwards, it just came into my head the words, you said, you said, God, that I can do these things. You said, God, 
that I have all authority. You said, God, that I will do greater things than you. And I have been walking in this since then. I don't always get it right and sometimes it's a struggle. But I step back and I say, God, you said, because it's not what I feel. It's not what's going on around me. It's what God says. And that is the bedrock that we need to stand on. Thank you. Oh. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you that your word is true. Your word is steadfast. Lord, thank you that you have done the impossible. You have set the precedent for us to follow. You have done the impossible. And Jesus, you said greater things than these we will do. So, Lord, I ask for your anointing to rest on us as we go forth, to take all the things, all the gifts that you've given us out for a spin. Lord, I ask that we dare to step over the line, that we dare just to put our toe over the line because I know you will take us the rest of the way. Lord, I thank you that it's not how we feel It's not how we see. It's not the circumstances around us. It is what you say that is the truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Amen. Beautiful job, Anne. I'm just going to fix this here. All right, all right. So I'm just about to invite Barbara up. But before I do, I want to share a story that goes along with what Anne was sharing that happened just, what, two days ago? Uh, I took Anna on a date. We were on the kitty cat. Do you know what the kitty cat is? It's a free service. Uh, it's the ferry, it's, but it's the smaller ferry, not the city cat, but the kitty cat. So we're on the smaller ferry. And I, we sat down, and there was an Indian lady that was sitting near us. She was sitting in a certain posture and had her feet up. And Anna began to talk with her. And as they were talking, the lady kept on complaining, oh, I have back pain. My my back is in pain. My back is in pain. So Anna said, can I pray for you? And why I'm sharing this story is to give you courage that when you're in situations like this, you can also pray. You can also pray uh, or, or you can you can step out and say, can I pray for you? Um, and so she was complaining, complaining. So Anna grabs a hold of her hand, 
shoot, the, the lady was more than happy to receive prayer. Anna kept on praying in the name of Jesus that the back pain would go. And then uh, as, as we were leaving the kitty cat, Anna asked, how's your back? And the lady says, oh, it's feeling better. So I don't know what will come of it. We don't always know what will come of it. And the lady went with her family on. But she heard the name of Jesus. She got prayed for. It seemed like God did something because she said she felt better. So hallelujah. And I've seen that often with Anna. She'll pray for people in the neighborhood. She'll just uh, step out and pray. And I see the same thing with Anne. That courage to take the faith she has in her heart and to express it. And that courage to take that faith and um, bring it out into the world because we are called to heal. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. We're called to extend God's kingdom. Bring the kingdom wherever we go. So, and it happens, you know, it's not like a, a forced thing that you have to force to happen. It happens as you, um, you know, listen to people, ask questions. And that's what mainly Anna was just listening. She wasn't like, oh, you want to come up and uh, say it here so everybody can hear you? Yes. What scripture? Yes. <laughs> so that scripture, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons was coming. And then I tried to, I, I, Anna, when Anna prays for me, I often get better quite quickly. So I've had a lot of different afflictions. So I'm blessed to have a wife that prays for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll pray for me, and I'll often feel better quite quickly. And, uh, yeah. The, uh, Anne and Anna and others, um, I want to encourage us to follow in their footsteps and watch what God does. Amen? Now, Barbara... Let's let's invite up Barbara. Come. Well, I'm sharing on the first part of Matthew 7, from verses 1 to 6. And so I'll just read the verses. Say, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In reading this, the words that came to mind were judgment and discernment. And I started doing a bit of a discovery as to what the difference 
between judgment and discernment is and how, how they work. And I realised too with judgment and discernment that it's a matter of the heart. It's already operating from the flesh or in the spirit. Luke six thirty seven to 42 says, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Judgment has a sense of finality, having made a decision about someone. It closes us off to being open to discussion or mutual understanding. And judgment also includes condemnation. To judge is to operate in the flesh from our personal perspective or opinion. Discernment is about seeking insight and understanding before coming to a conclusion. This is done in the power of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and understanding. Discernment is about responding from love rather than being reactive so we can make appropriate choices for ourselves and for the good of others. Do our words come from a place of peace and compassion and a genuine attempt to understand? Or do they come from anger, insecurity and stubbornness? Matthew twelve thirty six says that God will call us to account for every careless word we utter. In John 8, 3 to 11, the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus and questioned him concerning the law. Jesus said, if anyone was out sin among you, throw the first stone at her. The Pharisees left and Jesus tells the woman he doesn't condemn her either and she should go and sin no more. Jesus is the only one who can judge because he is without sin and has no speck or log in his eye. His heart is pure. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of our sins and we no longer are under condemnation but are free. He's the righteous judge. And if he can, doesn't condemn us and lets us go free and forgives us, then that's how we should be with others. Our seeing is flawed because we are not yet perfect. We are in process. Fault fighting is a common part of life because of our own hurts and pains, our experiences and what people have said to us and lots of other things. Because one of the things I thought about with judgment and with this judging thing is the fault finding that often happens. And I know for me, I grew up in a household where there was a lot of criticism. It was mostly the negative and judgment and all these things. So it reflected on all of us struggling with self-image, struggling with relationships with our family, with our friends, with other people in general, because we just didn't know. And so as I was reading this, I realised that how much God has changed me so that it I'm still struggling with some of these things and the criticism. But I understand how much God has changed me, so I'm now so quick to, not so quick to react or to judge others. Because judging others is about judging them based on one thing you've seen. When we don't know what's behind it, we don't know the situation that people have been in, we don't know what's going on in their life. And this may, not, may be a one-off event. They may not always be like that. So it's starting to see people from God's perspective and how he views them and drawing out the good and the positive in them. 
and to the key thing God wants us to do is to encourage and to build up women to be helping people along on their journey and to move forward in God. And the judgment and criticism can actually be a stumbling block. And Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Because how often one person can leave the church because someone's judged them or criticised them or said something, or we, families can be broken up, and it has a devastating effect. So, the, But Micah 6.8 says, The Lord requires us to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. We're to have mercy, love and compassion to others. It's easy to be fault-finding and criticise others, but this belongs to our sin nature or flesh, not our new nature in Christ where we are led by the Spirit. Jesus asks us to check our own hearts first, just as he did with the Pharisees and the adulterous woman. What do we need to repent of, receive healing for in ourselves? Then we will see others more clearly instead of through a murky filter. We can be quick to criticise others for what they've said or done without considering the cause of it, we can point the finger at others but reject others doing it to us. We can misjudge another person who's trying to help us to improve and grow by thinking they have turned against us. In Matthew seven twelve, it says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. The world's way is to be negative and fault-finding with others. However, we're called to encourage one another and build each other up. The greatest commandment is love, loving God and loving others. We cannot love others if we are judging and criticising them. Sometimes the very thing we criticise another for is something in our own lives we need to deal with. We are just deflecting our stuff onto someone else. Just as the word of God is a mirror for us, so too can others reflect back to us something that God wants us to see in ourselves. This is so we can take it to God for healing or to have it cut off. We must be careful not to judge a brother or sister in Christ on the basis of something he does or doesn't do if it doesn't violate any commandment of God. If a Christian bows down to worship an idol or tell a lie, we're to admonish him humbly and lovingly. A person may be doing something out of ignorance or because they lack understanding. An example is Apollos in Acts 18. Aquila and Priscilla take him aside and correct him. Apollos is grateful for the correction. However, if they'd been judgmental and critical of him and written him off as a false teacher, he wouldn't have been corrected. We're to keep ourselves well spiritually, to remain qualified to help restore those who've sinned. In the process of restoring them, we should maintain a spirit of meekness and not a fault-finding spirit. Our aim is to encourage and build up, to assist them to overcome and move forward, not to condemn. So it's all about our heart attitude and our heart's intention and having our heart pure and clean before God. Jesus calls us to be merciful, compassionate and forgive. We need to deal honestly with our own hearts before then moving to help others. 
because if we've got the same problem in ourselves that someone else has got, we can't really help them to overcome it or to move forward until we've dealt with our own stuff, the thing that's in us. And then with the verse 6 about giving the dogs what's holy and not throwing your pearls before pigs, we need discernment to know someone's spiritual condition or character. So we need to discern whether or not they are open to receiving the word or how they're going to respond. In Jewish culture, dogs were wild animals roaming the streets in packs, looking for food and attacking weaker animals. Pigs are unclean under God's law. They're voracious eaters and not specially selective about food. Pigs can become aggressive when hungry. Giving pigs something inedible when they expect food antagonise them. So it's not a good idea to give them a pearl that they can't digest. Because then they say, well, where's my food? (laughs) So it's a warning to Christians not to waste time or invite harassment by sharing the truth of the gospel with those who are obviously hostile. And that reminded me of Matthew 10, 14, where Jesus says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. So it's not wasting our energies on continually sharing the gospel with someone, trying to share God or the truth, or to, but it's about praying for them that they will open their hearts to receiving the word. Because until the veil's gone and they're open to receive, they're going to keep blocking it. And they, I had this experience where my, with my brother-in-law one night, he was just firing questions at me. And he loves debating and loves all that kind of things. But it was late at night too. And he just said, what about the Virgin Mary? What about this? What about that? But he wasn't at all open. So I knew that it was just a, a debate exercise. So I wasn't enga- didn't engage in it. And a couple of things I just was quoting scripture. Well, he didn't like that. <laughs> and so it's been interesting because I just, we don't talk anymore uh, about these things because they just know. But it's also interesting because I've never really spoken much to them, but they obviously know there's a, change, they know I'm different. And even my um, nephew's fiance yesterday, she started asking me about church and different things. And I thought, isn't that interesting? I've hardly had a conversation with her (laughs) in all the time I've known her. And she suddenly just started this conversation going. So I thought, we are known by who we are, how we speak, our behaviour. So, and that's a lot of how we're sharing Jesus. We don't actually have to speak the word or share the word, but we actually have to be Jesus for them so people see Jesus in us. So therefore, if we have mercy and we have love and we walk in those things, that's going to speak a lot louder, whereas the criticism is just what the world does and we're dumped in that basket and we're less likely to have for them to be receptive and listen to us. So that's my message. Father we just thank you for your word today we thank you for these verses and we just ask that we'd learn to be more like you to have mercy for people to walk in love to show more compassion and understanding towards them 
because people out there are hurting and they're just responding from their own hurts and needs and and things that have happened to them. Help us to see people with your perspective. Help us to walk in all your ways and and not justify the flesh but to crucify the flesh and put it to death and to recognise what we are operating from. Help us to walk in the spirit. Help us to grow in these things and develop more and more that we might become mature and, and true living epistles and examples to you of who you really are. And bless everyone today and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Barbara. Questions. Yeah, I think we could do questions in a, in a uh, couple minutes. Is that okay? Um, but the, I want to share one thing and then see if we can get the, the kids and the teenagers in the center and all pray for them as they go back to school this week. Can we do that? Are you okay if we... <laughs> we pray. Before that, there was something that uh, touched my heart this week. I was doing the video. I don't know if you've seen if, uh, the How to Face Difficulty. And I was doing that uh, YouTube video about how to face difficulty, how to face the impossible. And so I asked Valerie, she's nine years old, and of course she's very connected with YouTube. She knows all about YouTube. So I said, you know, what could I do to improve my videos? Or, you know, what, uh, what would you advise? Well, she said, you should make sure in your videos that you welcome people to church on the park and that you would say and say to them, everybody's welcome. If you're a sinner, you're welcome. Come, you'll learn how to be a Christian. And so, but everyone is welcome to come. And uh, that really touched my heart. She said, you should also do a video on how to fish for men. How do you fish for, for men? Because Jesus taught us to be fishers of men, fishers of people. Um, and the reason why I share that story is because... Uh, Barbara shared something, both Anne and Barbara, there's, there's something that goes together here. But, but Barbara shared uh, something about, she shared about judgment versus discernment. And we know that the Pharisees had this judge, the judgmental spirit. The Pharisees had a judgmental spirit. They had a critical fault-finding spirit. Whatever Jesus did offended them. So the disciples didn't wash their hands before eating, and they got all upset. Jesus was healing so many people just before that passage. And then the Pharisees are critical of Jesus because they didn't wash their hands. So they miss all the miracles. They miss all the things that God is doing. And here's the thing with the fault-finding judgmental spirit. It misses what God is doing. It doesn't see Jesus in action. It's, it, their eyes are, are veiled, they're closed. And here is Jesus sitting down with tax collectors and sinners and welcoming them. And that whole, uh, that whole thing offended 
the Pharisees. They were offended that Jesus was not separating himself from the sinner, but he was spending time with them. Now, let me say he wasn't falling into sin with them, but he was spending time with them to draw them in. But Jesus constantly was under the attack of criticism and judgment. And one of the things that Jesus taught us is to judge rightly, discernment, to judge rightly. And that is how we judge rightly, as Barbara was saying, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we don't, if we're not set free from a judgmental spirit, we'll not be able to fish for any people. You will, we'll draw people, but we'll draw people that are all disgruntled like us. <laughs> and so the, the church or the, the community that we're a part of is just a disgruntled community, uh, disgruntled about everything. And it's not teaching the kingdom. It's always focused on that complaining rather than the good news. It's not doing anything proactive for the, for the world, changing the world. So we all need to be delivered from a judgmental spirit <laughs> and watch ourselves when this comes up, this crops, crops up. And then we have to ask, help me to judge, judge rightly. So amen, amen. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but it's something, to, it's something for us to pray for and also realize how important it is in winning souls to Jesus. God has called us to win people to Jesus, to, make, to be fishers of men.